Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on black and white and red all over. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number 73. And as always, if you want to listen to this episode and all of our other episodes, feel free to like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether that is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, feel free to rate us and leave us a review. We will always that so we've got a full crew here again so chucks unfortunately we're getting back to the regular order so hello sam hey danny what's up oh nothing much we got chucks hello chucks uh i was i was ready to jump in ahead of sam there and then i just pulled myself on the brakes there so well, that's right well luckily you are quick on your feet my friend so you're able yeah. to your lane Stay yeah it's just lane. a Drop a shoulder, a little change of acceleration. Just drop the pace there, just like it's sandal. Like the good Dutchman that you are, Chuck. Indeed, always, always abiding by the rules. Abiding. And we've got Sergio Romero. Hello, Sergio. Hey, fellas. Lost the headliner out there, Chucks. That that's terrible. That sauce got bumped down. You know, I'm grown used to being the the you know the third one the supporting actor that I, I feel that's a role in which i thrive on so that's fine I have, I have no issues coming third so you you are perfectly happy being a little bit of a role player is that what you're saying yeah i think they call it a character actor i think that that suits <laughs> my like my my role here so I'm, I'm good with that coming from the actor yeah no definitely that, that that's a good 
and frankly the character actors are the ones that make the bank because they're always you know they're always they're always in more stuff all right so if you want to hire sergio romero for your next job no i'm kidding we stay claim to sergio's rights we own his contract if you want to bring it back full circle to Serie point of view which who knows if you actually want to do that but anyways i digress as we come to you here today on the I guess the midpoint of the international break, the final, thankfully, international break of the 2021 calendar year. We are going to start this week's episode with a little bit of a look ahead to what Juventus has coming their way when they actually get back onto the field. And and besides the very thankful mood that we're in that is the last international break, there's also the fact that most of said final international games will be done early in this week so we won't have a case of anybody rushing back from say i don't know south america to try and get <laughs> get rested and get healthy and then get back onto the field in the juventus jersey so uh, i will throw it to oh i don't know we'll go with chucks first since he lost his spot in the leadoff spot juventus will be playing mauricio sari in a few days chucks first how do you feel about seeing sari in a managerial spot once again after last year seeing him on the sidelines and just uh what are your thoughts on the these first few tough games that Juventus have coming out of the international break with Lazio first and foremost? Uh, to answer your first question, um, I'm glad, actually, because that means that Sarri is off our wage bill. <laughs> because uh, I, I heard, I had no idea until, I don't know, I, I forget who told me or how I heard about it. But yeah, I heard that he was basically still on our wage bill until just recently, now that he got his job. Uh, with Lazio, so that is a very pleasant surprise. Are you trying and, to say that you know, Juventus has financial troubles, Chucks? Uh, well, more like financial competence. <laughs> <really>. <laughs> that leads to financial trouble. So yeah, two are connected indeed. Um, so you know, well done to him. And I mean, honestly though, with Savi, I don't know. A lot of people didn't like him. I heard. Um, I think people generally agree with this that he wasn't great with at Juve at least. Just. Um, he just had a lot of personal issues with the uh, with the players. I think I think with Pjanic specifically. I don't know if my memory serves me well there, but um, yeah, he just you know he had some personal issues with the players. And yeah, I mean, Juventus fans didn't really like him. I, I mean, I have nothing personal against him. I think it just didn't work out. Um, it was just a bad match. Um, he didn't have a good team, or well, he didn't have the opportunity to build his team. Uh, for his style of play so it just didn't work out so you know I, I mean I hold nothing against the man I'm you know I'm happy for him to see him uh, at Lazio doing you know quite well really and you know he like Roma actually he started the season out you know with real fire I mean he you know had some great results first first few games uh, really strong results slowed down a little bit um, like Roma <laughs> um, slowed down a little bit so yeah their, their stories are very synonymous actually I think the main difference be, being that Lazio just had some, yeah, big wins against some bigger competition or direct competitors, I should say. Uh, victory against Fiorentina, victory against a big win uh, against Inter, I should say. Uh, impressive draw against Atalanta, which, I mean, we all know. Uh, well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see them in a week or so, I think. And, of course, that big win against Roma as well. So uh, they've done well against their direct competitors, which, well, we are a direct competitor with Lazio for that coveted, uh, much coveted fourth place position. So, um, I mean, the good thing with Juve is that, in general, I think we've done well in the big games, in the big, well, in the league, and, in, uh, of course, in Champions League too. 
Uh, but just in those big head-to-head games, uh, the exception being Napoli, the loss against Napoli, which even then I thought that game could have very well been a draw. Probably should have been a draw, but, um, you know, whatever. Um, so just based on that form and on that reputation, I think I I think we'll do well against Lazio. I don't I don't see us losing that game. Um, I mean, obviously it'll be a difficult, difficult game, I think. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm seeing like a scoring draw, definitely a scoring draw. Um, we're not going to keep Lazio to a clean sheet. Um, they've done well in front of goal, and we've done poorly um, defending our goal. So, um, yeah, I see it being a scoring draw, maybe 2-2 or something like that. But like I said, I mean, in general, I think we've done well in the direct head-to-head games. And, I mean, again, you know, the goal for this season is very clearly going to be uh, top four. I mean, I think that's... I was convinced of that in the preseason. I'm even more convinced of it now. And then, uh, yeah, then we go to Stamford Bridge, uh, of course, uh, against Chelsea. And that, I mean, that's going to be a typical Max Allegri game. He is, like, he's not even remotely going to go try for the victory in that game, I think. He's going to very, very much play for the draw, which, I don't know. I mean, I don't blame him. This is, you know, get this game tied up and, or, yeah, tie this game. And, yeah, we will have, I believe we would then have, top spot uh, guaranteed so you know i see a leg just going for purely going for a draw on that one which is fine which is you know fine so overall i'm pretty optimistic for uh, at least these upcoming two games but uh well you know these are uh, commentators curse so let's see just to jump in real real quick here chucks lazio are one of three clubs seeing as it's at the stadio olimpico that have the best record in Serie A at home so it will be a, a tough one to begin with just with how good Lazio has been at home this season. Yeah, that's, ah, uh, that's something. <laughs> but we are forgetting one one very important thing, guys, and that is that Ciro Immobile is not playing in this game. Ah, yes. Ah. He is out uh, with a calf injury. That's kept him out of international duty, and it's going to keep him at least out of, out of Saturday's game. So that means that Saudi's going to have some improvising to do. I'm going to mispronounce the name, uh, Vedrat, what is it, Muriqui? Yeah, your beer beer guess is a good, as yeah, good as mine. Yeah, I don't know. So. Um, you know, they could put him in as a, as a like-for-like replacement, although, you know, he's turning into one of the, 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 the butt of a lot of worst City Out transfers in the last couple of years articles because of how much they paid for him versus how good or lack thereof he really is. Uh, the last news I've seen is that Sadi seems to be settling on the idea of using Pedro as a false nine, which could work one of two ways. Either Bonucci and and Delict kind of stand up and 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 just shut everything down in front of them uh, because there's no there's no big guy to to like Immobile to to knock them around, or there is no reference point and all of the and you know the the Saudi's system, which by design is supposed to create all that kind of chaos in the box, means that the team get the you know the defense gets pulled apart. But I do think that th- that is going to be a huge factor. How does Saudi start the game? How does Saudi adjust mid game if he you know if if what he does isn't working? Whereas you know for Juve, I think you know there's going to be pretty much a full house. From what I understand, the the worries about Paolo Dybala are mostly dispelled. He didn't, from everything I've seen, it didn't wasn't a muscle injury. He got stepped on, 
and couldn't and and couldn't go. And he was, uh, he was yeah, he was subbed out more as a precaution too, is what yeah the um, more reliable folks in Italy have said. Yeah. So I I think that Juve have a have a good shot at this game, and you know especially when you consider you know you win this and you're hauling level with Lazio on points, which would be and also you get that tiebreaker. This is a big big game as you're looking into the race for that that last spot in the Champions League next year and. It, it it almost crosses into the realm of a must win. And, you know, Max, Max Allegri is going to have to figure out how to neutralize the guys that Saudi puts out there and then work on, on scoring some goals. Because Lazio will ship some goals. We've seen them do that. They, they've won some games big. They've also, they've also knocked, been knocked around. You know, that, that Bologna game at the beginning of October was a shocker right before the October internationals. And, you know, it, it's proves that they're capable of, of melting down just as much as we are defensively. So we'll see what happens. Allegri, I mean, Allegri has a good track record against Saudi, but it's two completely different sets of players from when Saudi was at Napoli and, and Allegri was at Juve the first time. It's, it's going to come down to how does Saudi replace Immobile and how does Allegri adjust to everything? And I think it's it's an interesting matchup coming out of the international break. Obviously, like Danny was saying, I think this is going to be a much more complete squad to what they, they had in, in the previous international break. But I, I still think I I don't feel as confident as Chucks in the in the outlook of, of this Lazio game, just because I think this team, this Lazio squad is much, much more suited to what Mauricio Sarri wants to do as a as a manager in general than Juventus ever was when he was the Juve manager. He, he has two midfielders in Luis Alberto and Milinkovic-Savic, which in my opinion, both of those dudes would walk into the Juventus starting lineup easily. Like those are easily the two best midfielders uh, Mauricio Sarri has had in the past three years. So I think this is very much a team that he can do a lot with, that he has been doing a lot with. Obviously not having Immobile is, is big, but I, I do think this is much more of a team that Sarri wants. He can do what he does with a team like this than what he did with Juventus. And I think just as a whole, I think his stint is going to be looking a little bit more positive in the light of what we saw with Pirlo, in the light of what we're seeing right now with Allegri, and even in the latter stages of the Allegri era. I think his stint is going to be looked at, not fondly, because it was definitely not fun, but, you know, just maybe it wasn't all on him as a lot of the general opinion was at the time. I think at the time everyone was like, okay, it's Sarri's fault. It's not the team. It's Sarri. Now I think it's, it's a lot more, obviously hindsight is 2020, but I think now it's a lot more, okay, maybe the team had a lot to do with it as well. So just in general, I think this is going to be a very good test for Juventus. I think this is going to be a, one of those games that really show Juventus where they stand if they can go to Lazio and and compete and win in what, like Danny was saying, it's a, it's a very tough stadium to play. I think that that really does signal that this team is not that, that, that this team is still going to compete for big things in Italy, despite the, the poor start. If it goes to, to Roma and they fall flat on their faces and we see something similar to what we saw against Fiorentina before the international break, then you know then you know where you're standing then you know that you're going to be in that mid table fighting for european spots pretty much the entire year so 
I think this is a, just a very, very good test for a team that's going to, that is really running out of excuses at this point. Like I think every single game we've kind of had an excuse. I think at this point, if they can come out and compete and play against a, a manager that knows them very well, I think that's going to show that this team still has expectations. If they don't, then they are going to continue to be the team that we've seen, I think, the entire year. Just mid-table, fighting for Champions League, fighting for Europa League, maybe Conference League, maybe, who knows? But, you know, I think they're going to be in that range the, the whole year. And I think there's just a, a, an excellent test coming back from the international break. Conference League, Conference League. Conference League is going to be fun. I would, I would, if we're not going to win... I would love to go to the conference league. Tell me <laughs> we don't win the conference league. Like, I, I, mean, I don't know if we win the conference league because half of our players are going to be gone by that point. Cause you'd end up selling delict. You'd end up selling. You probably end up even selling Chiesa at that point. Aaron Ramsey is going to be the MVP of the conference <laughs> league. Like I'm, I have no doubts about that. Like, let's go. Like, that's going to be awesome. He's going to, he's going to make back. Like he's going to get has back his salary by winning the conference league for Juventus for, for Newcastle, maybe, but <laughs> well, Sergio, yeah. you, you mentioned the midfield battle and I, I think that's obviously knowing who's on Lazio's roster. That's a big key. And I, as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, is this since Allegri has at least, I think settled on, McKinney and Locatelli in the center of the midfield. And if you want to throw Adrian Rabio in there as well, even though he's not technically being played as a central midfielder in this 4-4-2-E kind of formation, I mean, is, is this the biggest test that those two guys, McKinney and Locatelli, will will have coming up? I mean, obviously Chelsea, if if they're healthy, will will provide their own challenge. But I think, you know, as like you said, you know, Milinkovic Savage and Luis Alberto, I mean, those are two of the best midfielders in Serie A, regardless of who you put them up against. Yeah, I think domestically it's definitely going to be their biggest challenge. I think that that first Chelsea game was probably their biggest challenge up to date. But that was also a Chelsea team that was without N'Golo Kante, which to me is, I think he's arguably, if you don't put him in your top three midfielders alive right now, like I think he's he's fantastic. And, you know, Chelsea is still a very formidable squad, and I'm not taking anything away from that win. But without him, I think Chelsea is a very different team. So, you know, when you take that into account, I think this is going to be the biggest test in the season. And when you look back at, you know, because Lazio has been a very tricky team for Juventus in the last few years. And that is exactly because of their, you know, just because they have a much, much superior midfield than Juventus. And when you look back at those uh, losses, I think, in the Coppa Italia, in the Super Coppa, and, and just in the league, I think Lazio has, you know, has been riding that midfield superiority to wins because I don't think they're as talented as Juventus in other area. But if you boss the midfield as the way they have been doing, I think you know that that speaks a lot. So now I think this is going to be the biggest challenge for them. But you know, Juventus didn't have Manuel Locatelli the last year, last couple of years. So I think this is going to be the the game for him to really step it up against really quality competition. I think he started the year very, very well. He has faded lately. I, in my opinion, more due to just being tired, a lot of burnout, but also, I mean, the, the fact is he has faded, you know, because of tiredness or whatever, but he has faded. So I think this is a very good moment for him to kind of like step it back up and in, in what is going to be like Danny said, I agree hundred percent with you. I think that the toughest 
competition just in that area of the field, in the midfield that this unit has had. And as we all know by now, this is not a particularly strong unit. So I think they're going to have to step up. If, if Juventus has, has any chance of winning in Roma, I think they're going to have to step it up here. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth about Locatelli, Sergio. That's exactly what I was going to say, is that he has he's looked gassed. He looked on in the Italy Switzerland game on Friday. He just he didn't look like he was the same player. And I think it's because he's just been he's been run into the ground. And Allegri, you know, he he based on the the teams that we've played and the fact that Locatelli's presence in that midfield is so damn important right now. Um he he hasn't had much of an option. And it's not, you know, we haven't been playing, you know, like a, you know, one, you know, one of the, you know, a team where you can look at it at, as being an obvious place for him to rest in a long time. But he does need that rest because I think he's totally gassed. And it really is, it, it is going to be a big, huge, a big, big test for, for, for this midfield. It also makes you think just what this, what Lazio would look like, because I remember at the start of the season, Maurizio Sarri saying that he didn't think Milinkovic, Savic, and Luis Alberto could play on the field at the same time. And there was almost a point, it was almost a point where Luis Alberto looked like he was on the market, at which point I was kind of hoping Juventus would kind of be like, eh. Well, weren't there um, rumors that he put in a transfer request? Yes, there were, because he was, because for that reason, that he was clashing hard with Sarri, that Sarri wasn't starting him because he didn't believe that he and Milinkovic, Savic could work on the pitch together. Somebody smoothed that over, and now they are working on the pitch, and they're working very well together on the pitch, like they always do. So don't have, uh, you know, Saudi might be a sorry, might be pigheaded in some instances, but this one, to his benefit, was not one of them. But yeah, you know, you have to look at those two guys, and and really, you know, you have you have to be inch perfect if you're McKenny and if you're Locatelli to make sure that you don't get overrun and that you have a chance at this at, at this game as it goes as it goes along. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Well, the probability of them being overrun is already a little bit greater because so, you know, as we all know, we're playing 4-4-2 against, well, okay, it's a pseudo 4-4-2, depending on if uh, Rabio, Rabio plays, uh, which I'll get to that later as well. But yeah, so we're playing 4-4-2 against, uh, well, Sari's 4-3-3, which means, well, which means what? You have 3v2 in the center of the pitch, um, so we're already outnumbered there, so that's, uh, you know, not good. Although the strength of it is that you'll have that 2v2 center forward against center back match matchup. So that's, you know, kind of, yeah, one-on-one there with each uh, striker against each defender. Uh, that said, I mean, Dybala always drops deep. And that, really, he will actually, you know, we talk about the midfield being obviously a key uh, 
a key battle there. But really, I mean, it's going to fall a lot on Dybala based on just how much he generally drifts deep anyway. I mean, he, that's his, that's the type of player he is. He you know doesn't play right next to the striker. He kind of floats around him and behind him and, you know, just in those... Uh, just in that kind of red zone between um, the defensive line and the midfield line, which is a very dangerous spot to be um, in a good way, obviously. Um, so I think, yeah, a lot of responsibility is going to fall on him on helping uh, Locatelli and uh, um, McKenney, assuming that that's going to be the central midfield pairing uh, this weekend. Yeah, and just helping them when we're in possession, just kind of making up that, one-man deficit in midfield, uh, but then also out of possession in marking the free man, which, well, which again, Lazio will have always one central midfield or free. So, I mean, that's going to depend on Allegri. Is Allegri going to tell Divala like, hey, you have to do more defensive work and mark who I suppose would be Luis Alberto, but um, I suppose, I mean, I'm, yeah, either, yeah, it'll probably be Luis Alberto that he has to mark uh, there. So, you know, is that like, are you going to tell him to do that? You know, like, hey, you have to mark him. Or is he just going to say, well, I don't know, do whatever you want, I guess. <laughs> Which is also possible, but would be very unlike uh, unlike uh, Allegri. So, yeah, actually, you know, we talk about the midfield battle, but I think that is kind of a uh, yeah component of, component of the midfield battle that yeah, we got to think about as well. What will Dybala be doing? How much defensive work will he be doing? But yeah, obviously his offensive contribution and just making up that central midfield disadvantage. Um, yeah, what will uh, what will he do and what will uh, Allegri tell him to do? Well, in the words of Sergio Romero, not necessarily when we're recording here, speaking of a insert word, choice word here, midfielder, Aaron Ramsey, there are obviously rumors that Aaron Ramsey might not be a Juventus player for very long. And I know that is something that our blog brethren over at the short fuse who covered Arsenal were like, Ooh, eyes emoji, eyes emoji. And I think at this point, it's safe to say that with how little he's played, be it because he's in the, on the bottom of Max Allegri's depth chart in terms of midfielders, or he's just flat out injured. You know, he's going to be leaving one way or another, whether it's him being sold for a little transfer fee or he's, or his contract is just getting terminated. So we don't necessarily have to write the eulogy on Aaron Ramsey's tenure as a Juventus player just yet. But why? <laughs> well, I wanna. We can do that when, it, when it's official. But I think at this point, the more interesting thing besides Ramsey leaving, and obviously that's a good thing based on how bad he's been, but just what the team does to potentially fill that void. And I know we're, you know, since we are where we are, and we discussed it a little bit last week as well, where we are in the calendar, there are going to be rumors about who might come in January. And I think, like I said, at this point, it just seems certain that Ramsey's leaving. And will the party be at Sam Lepresi's house or will we go south of the border to Sergio's house to celebrate Ramsey leaving? Yeah, I can't uh, go to the United I don't have States. a lot of space, and I've got the baby, so I don't know. And I don't have a US visa, so that's going to be complicated. Well, I, then I guess it's your house then, Sergio. Yeah, yeah no <laughs> We're all vaccinated anyways. We're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have no problem with that. I'm fine with that. Yeah, Believe fine. me, like, I think Aaron Ramsey... Look, I, I think I've cut more slack than most uh, to the previous regime. I think a lot of their signings were 
defensible. I think that they were not, I, I think they were proven to be bad as time went on, but in the moment you could defend them, at least most of them. I think Aaron Ramsey is the one that, that it was indefensible from the moment it like it broke. Like from the moment it was announced, I think that was a bad signing. Like he was already a super often injured player. He wasn't even that particularly great. Like he it wasn't like a, for example, like a Douglas Costa, for example, a guy that when he's healthy, he can be super talented, but he can never stay healthy. At that point, Aaron Ramsey had been at, at a pretty consistent, you know, regression. And he was getting more injured and he was now super expensive. Like that was a big, big bet that was that had just very little odds of succeeding from the moment it was announced. And I really I can't remember another signing like him where he's universally despised by Juventus fans, where I cannot I can't think of one shining moment of Aaron Ramsey in a Juve shirt. Almost I can think of somebody who's been despised who's been despised like as Felipe Melo. Yeah, I guess so. When, when, when was he? Like over 10 years? Like, I mean, I yep. think easily in a decade, I think he's been the most despised Juve player. I can't remember one good moment from Aaron Ramsey. Like, I really can't. Like, not even just one goal, when, nothing. I remember there was, there was, there was We the had the Sampdoria game. We had the Sampdoria game. Pirlo's first game as manager. We had that game. That was, oh, well, there Ooh, you go. Yeah, that was and, Ramsey. And there was the one. And then it just all went to hell and then again. There was the one. Uh, there was the one in the Champions League against uh, against Lokomotiv Moscow, where he poached a goal off of what would have made it two free kicks for Ronaldo instead of one. Uh, where he just like tapped it over the line after the keeper fumbled with it, and it was going in anyway. But that was funny. That's awesome. But, That's uh, two good moments for like what fourteen million euros in salary in two years. <laughs> More than that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's yeah, it's, just, it's 14 plus what he's had this year already. At, at this moment, I think people are like like Danny was like what how the question has started. Like Danny was saying, like, who would we bring if Aaron Ramsey leaves? At this point, I think it's just addition by subtraction. Like honestly, if, even if we bring no one else, I think just getting rid of Ramsey, getting rid of the wages, getting rid of the vibes. I, I honestly think Juventus is better off. At, at this point, just without him in the locker room, regardless if they bring anyone else to to get his quote unquote minutes that he's not, you know, even having at this point. So, yeah, in in short, he's not a very good football player. I, I for one, uh, and I mentioned this briefly in the the piece that I just put up, uh, this that just went live this Sunday. I would not be opposed to looking at Genoa and saying, Hey, do you want somebody else? And we take Nicola Rovella back. He's looking very good. Genoa has been looking like garbage, but he has been very much a diamond in the rough in that, in that club. He's only 19. And I think, I think, a, you know, you put a three man midfield of him, Locatelli and, and McKenney going, um, going. And then I think there's some, some really something there. And, and again, you know, it, and it gives maybe some, some time to a young player, a young Italian player that we spent a not insignificant amount of money on. What was it, 11 months ago when we signed him from, from Genoa in January and loaned him back? I, I, think he's, I think he's looking good enough. And I, I would like to see him come back. And I would like to see him play for a spot. 
I mean, to be fair, to play a minor, minor devil's advocate with the whole Ramsey uh, debacle, um, you know, yes, go, people... Aaron Ramsey, Homer <laughs> Chucks. <laughs> I am your savior, Aaron. I am your savior. <laughs> I will save you from demise. No, I mean, you know, people talk about the salary thing and like, obviously, look, he costs, like, I mean, yes, he was a free transfer, but, you know, very high wages. However... Okay, so it's 7 million euros a year, and he's been here since, uh, I believe it was 2019, 29, yeah, 2019 season. So that's, let's see, one season, two two and a half seasons now. So, I mean, you know, that's why is uh, roughly t- uh, coming up 20 million euros, 18, 20 million euros, just off the top of my head. Yes, that is a lot. But, I mean, that said, given that he was a free transfer, that means the total costs, I guess, of this transfer was yeah 18-ish million euros to be fair in this day and age a player and yes he's been poor but a player for 18 million euros a flop for 18 million euros is bad but it's like not like balance sheets destructive irreparable damage to the entire structure of the financial structure of the club bad like you know I, I mean, it's bad. Like in, non, uh, like, in non-COVID times, maybe not. Yeah, I mean, yes, yes. Uh, but, I mean, obviously he was, you know, we got him before COVID. So, you know, yes. But, um, so, yeah, I guess I guess that's the thing. If we had gotten him, if, if, you know, COVID had happened and we got him knowing that COVID had happened, yeah, then I would have been less forgiving, uh, less forgiving of this uh, entire ordeal. But, you know, yeah. But I guess my point is like, look, yes, we wasted money, definitely wasted money on this deal. But I don't think it's anywhere near the just catastrophic amount of money that people say it is. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it was still a waste of money. It was still, it was still bad. And and also, you know, the thing with Ramsey again, it's so it's so strange. It's you know, clearly, I mean, he is still a good player. I mean, look at how he plays for Wills. You know, he plays very well for Wills. And um, I just looked up his numbers. Uh, he has twenty goals and seventy appearances. That's, I mean, almost one in three which is very good for central midfielder. One in three, uh, sorry, one goal in, uh, per every, uh, roughly every three games. I mean, that's very good for, you know, for a central midfielder. Um, so that's, I mean, that's very impressive. And yeah, I mean, clearly he's not like a terrible player just on paper, but it is once again, evidence that, you know, it's in, this, in a team sport like this, it is not about, you know, on paper. It's not about just the, not about the player in isolation. It is obviously about how he fits into the, uh, into the collective and um and just you know one last point just on his the whole salary thing um i think this does you know show the danger of getting premier league players who are i mean relatively well established i mean at the time ramsey was 27 i guess 28 ish when we got him so you know well established premier league players uh yeah there's a danger there because i mean those salaries are bloody inflated man, in the premier league i mean so are the reputations of a lot of players in the premier league yeah 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 because the premier, you know the premier league loves you know best league in the world bloody 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 blah yeah they're not really the best league in the world they're the league with the best publicists in the world that's for damn sure yeah but yeah. true you know that there, there's a lot of overrating that goes on when you play in the premier league and you know there are certain you know sometimes you know, there are players, there are the players like, you know, Kevin De Bruyne. Is he fantastic regardless of where he plays? Yes. Yes, he is. Aaron Ramsey was always inflated because, you know, he played for Arsenal and he 
he came up into their first team at the tail end of Arsene Wenger, at the tail end of the time where they were in the Champions League every year anyway. But you know, so much about the Premier League is very much overrated. And that that that's a danger too when you're looking at at transfers. And I mean, you know, we just have to think about like I hopefully whenever Ramsey does leave, which I suppose will be sooner than later. Um, I really do hope that Juve management just evaluates this move and says, you know, okay, like, look, this just didn't work. Like, what what went wrong? I mean, you know, why, like, just really sitting down and having a humble evaluation and, and just saying, okay, look, we're going to hold our hands up and just say, like, this just didn't work. But can we evaluate what went wrong? Um, you know, why did this deal not, you know, yeah, why did it flop? Um, it looked like it was going to be another one, another one of those kind of free transfer you know, steals maybe, but it wasn't, and, you know, it clearly wasn't. And yeah, that's just uh, the failure there. So, uh, and again, like I said, just those inflated wages from uh, the Premier League, it's, uh, yeah, it's hard. Well, when one of your highest paid players is playing all of 115 minutes in all competitions this season, to push back on your pushback a little bit, Chuck, I think that's obviously both, it speaks to both how he's very much not in Allegri's plans, but it's also just the fact that, like we've said, he's just not healthy enough to be relied on on a consistent basis and i mean we we joked a few weeks back that he's you know getting muscle fatigue when he basically makes a three-minute cameo and it's like well how can you be getting muscle fatigue if you're barely playing well obviously his body is very much not where it was even at the beginning of his juventus career and that's saying something because he's been off and on injured pretty much ever since he showed up so I don't know. It's just it. It's just another frustrating development in what has been a very frustrating two years with Aaron Ramsey. And I also had the gall not long ago to criticize Juventus's medical teams for him being injured. I'm sitting there going, "No, you've been injured like this your entire career." Now, does does Juventus have maybe some problems when it comes to to muscle injuries that could very well be avoidable? Yes. That, but that is a different discussion when you look at a guy that had spent so much time on the shelf at Arsenal for this exact thing. And then you come out and start taking shots, shots at your club saying, you know, the, the Welsh national team knows how to keep me healthy. That, 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 that's one of the big reasons why I think a lot of the public opinion is turned against him in the way that, that Sergio thought of at the beginning of the, at the beginning of when we hit this subject. Yeah, and I, th- I think, you know, going back to, to what Chucks was saying, I, I think that the most important part is, is exactly that. Like, he didn't start getting hurt at Juventus. He was always an injury-prone player. And you and I and Chucks and Danny and just pretty much every every schmo with some internet connection could figure that out, except, I guess, the Juventus board, right? I mean, they, they knew of his injury history, and they still went ahead and gave him all that money. And, you know, going back to, to what Chucks was saying about, you know, what can you learn from, from this transfer? It's just, I have no problem missing on Emre Chan, for example. I have no problem missing in with Adrian Rabiot if his Juventus tenure doesn't pan out. Those were young guys who had high pedigrees, just, you know, players for their national team, starters for big European clubs that you can get for free, well, quote unquote free, because we always know that it's not exactly free, but if you can get those guys and they don't pan out, like Emre Chan didn't pan out, I, I don't hate that. I, I, I can live with those shots because you're betting on young guys that have shown talent, that had shown potential, 
and that they can develop and you're making that bet and that's not an irrational bet to make. I do think that the Aaron Ramsey was an irrational bet to make. It, it was saying this guy who's always injured, whose peak was maybe three or four years ago, I'm going to pay him the, I think even at the point, I, I think the lift wasn't there yet, or maybe he was, he was the third or fourth highest paid player on the team. They so, arrived at, They arrived roughly at the same time. Yeah, they arrived roughly at the same time. Or so actually, no, the, no, because Ramsey signed a pre-contract. So no, that was, so no, Ramsey was coming to, to Juve on that number well before Delict was ever signed. Yeah, so he would be the second highest paid player on the team. You're making him the second highest paid player on your team behind Cristiano Ronaldo at the time for a guy who his peak was four years or three years before you sign him and who's 27, 28 with a history of injury problems. Those are the signings that I think are, I, I, I do agree with Chuck's like, you have to look at them and be like, what were we thinking here? And how do we not make that same mistake going forward? Because if you, if you bet big on young guys and they fail to develop, or they're not as good as you thought they would, you know, that's going to happen. That that has happened to every big club in Europe over and over again, but to bet big on a, on a guy who is what he is at this point in his career and he fails I mean, you had enough information to know he was going to fail. And, you know, I think they have no one to blame for themselves. And I just hope Newcastle has, you know, some some of that newfound Saudi money over there that they want to, you know, kind of start throwing around. Maybe they can buy themselves into the Aaron Ramsey Mirage. Shall we go to some Twitter questions, gents, and wrap this thing up? Let's do it. All right. Yes. First, first one here from at... Diego R. Naranjo. Hey guys, really appreciate your work. I've gotten used to listening to your to your podcast every week. Everybody on three say thank you, Diego. One, two, three. Thank you, Diego. Muchas gracias. <laughs> thank you, Chucks. <laughs> Question is, if a good offer comes for Dayan Kuluseski in January, do you think we should let him go? Yes. Next question. <laughs> only Ruthless. Only only if it is immediately supplemented by some sort of a acquisition. Like if you're selling it, if you're selling him for the express purpose of making a Vlahovic signing in January, then yes. Otherwise, I would prefer that to happen in the, in the summertime when you can actually do it to make an upgrade as opposed to doing it and then just having, and having that money hanging there. Yeah, I echo that. Plus... So, you know, right now we're playing this kind of pseudo 4-4-2, formation. But, you know, basically, yeah, we need at least two wingers uh, on at the same time. Uh, so if you have two winger formation, you probably want to have two uh, backups. So right now, you know, we have Chiesa, Cuadrado, um, Bernadeschi, and, well, Kulusevsky, um as wingers. So, yeah, if you sell one, yeah, then you have three wingers and you get a little thin up there, plus Cuadrado doubles as you know fullback and kind of right uh, midfielder so he's kind of yeah he's playing two positions anyway so you're really then stretching yourself to two and a half wingers given the from uh, given the formation we were playing it's a little risky uh it's a little risky to do that just yeah with the personnel available so uh i would be reluctant to do so right now in january when we, I mean, I don't know, again, in January, we, we tend to do very little business in terms of going, you know, exits and, and um, uh, new signings. So if you want to do something like that, I, I guess I'll wait till the summer. But I mean, it's a good question to ask. I think, yeah, Kulusevsky is, 
I, I think we're just kind of permanently waiting for him to do something. It's kind of this permanent potential phase. And I mean, he's, it, it's kind of like the same with Ben Tankur, Dun- actually. You know, it's this permanent like potential phase. Like, okay, he has potential, he has potential. And yeah, how much time are you going to give him to realize that potential? Frankly, I mean, he's running out of time. Um, I think if he, if he doesn't have a standout, what is it now, six months or so, six, seven months from now to the end of the season, yeah, you kind of have to question if you want to keep him or not. I I mean, I, I still, I, mean, I, I, I was harsh on him a few months ago, and I thought he had a pretty good run. And yeah, I mean, now, uh, I mean, yeah, it's kind of your last shot. So um, I still believe in him, but yeah, I mean, he's running out of time. It's funny that you, that you say that he's running out of time. The guy's 21. I mean, he, he's right? still really young. I mean, he's still a really young player. And the, the thing for me is that he is he's the third string right winger. And and I just don't see him, you know, is he going to, you know, be better than Juan Cuadrado? Is he going to be better than Federico Chiesa? Even in the best case scenario, I, I don't think he's going to be, you know, benching those guys anytime soon. He's being average on the left which is understandable that's that's not his position i i just i just think that that was a a signing that was made for the future like again one of those signings like i said i don't hate missing on a guy like kulusevsky and i don't i'm not even sure they missed it was just i think it was a poor fit poor fit for juventus poor fit for him in everything in formation in depth in squad and in the way they play i I think the best thing for both sides I, i i do think it's just you know, trying to find him another another place. If that is be a transfer, if that is be a loan, I don't know. But I, I just I can't see a pathway for him to really develop, to really show the skills that that he's shown in Parma at Juventus at this moment. So I, I think it's going to be tough for him, especially if he continues to play in that right wing where Juventus just have two guys ahead of him that are going to you know at Cuadrado for at least a couple more years. Kiesa, hopefully for the next 10 years. So it's going to be tough for, for him to break into the side anytime soon. All right. Next question here from our buddy David Desberg at the True ROAC. With the rumors heating up, what are pros and cons of a potential Axel Witzel signing? Do you believe these rumors have any merit at all? Why? Why? He's not that good. Like, he's a body in midfield. And I guess he'd be better than Aaron Ramsey just because he'd be available for selection more. But, you know, we, you know, we went through this with him in, you know, when, when was it 2016, 17, where, you know, allegedly he was at Juventus headquarters waiting to sign the deal from Zenit St. Petersburg. And then it fell through. Um, And now he's older and not necessarily better than he was then. I don't, I don't see it as a, it would be a lateral move at best, but I don't, I don't see it as a big, it, it certainly wouldn't be, you know, a, 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 any sort of great step forward for the Juventus midfield. I know. I agree. Uh, I think if you can swap him, you know, obviously not a straight swap, but on the Juventus depth chart, if you can swap him for Ramsey, I think that's fine. If he can come in for, for cheap on a one-year deal or something, I think, like Sam said, he's a body. He he knows how to play center midfielder. I think he can, you know, do certain things that maybe not all your other midfields can can do. Is he the missing piece in the way we were talking about Manuel Locatelli in the summer? Not really. He is who he is at this point. 
he's a productive average player. Um, I wouldn't hate having him. I wouldn't hate missing on him either. But if he, would he be an upgrade on on Ram Ramsey? Absolutely. I guess I guess he would be taking some minutes away from Arthur. But is that really a bad thing at this point? I, I'm not sure. He'd basically be another Matuidi. That's what he'd be. I think that's a disservice to Matuidi, but but I understand where you're coming from. In the sense <laughs> yeah. that he's, he's a better player. He he feels a role, and that's who he is. Like, I do understand that. And, and yeah, I, in that sense, I, I do agree. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I'll add to that is, I mean, he's turning 33 in uh, two months. So it's clearly not a move that's uh, aimed towards the future, uh, which, again, yes. would show that we're not, you know, learning from our mistakes. So that that's really more than anything my concern. Yeah, I'd rather spend. I'd rather take a chance on a young kid that that doesn't cost any. That doesn't cost us anything, like a Rovella, like you know, one of our kids on loan, like Ranocchi or Fagioli, than than spend money for a thirty-three-year-old Axel Witzel. But hey, Max Allegri was interested in five years ago, so it must make sense, right? Of course. Yeah, I think this rumor probably has a lot more to do with the fact that we were interested in him a, a while back and. He's kind of sort of available again. And I mean, that the, the, you know, the link is very easily made, I guess. But I'd be surprised if they went for him. Next question here from at Juventino underscore BNA. Sorry, Sergio, but can there be a bit of an acknowledgement for the Dos Acero from Saturday night? Also, do you feel that Weston McKinney is starting to put two and two together and we'll get to see more of what we've seen the last month or so? I, I I did not watch any game. I do not recognize any results. I, you know, it's still still a lot of things are you know. It's like the I forest of trees. If uh, if you weren't there to hear it, then I have to wait until all the facts come out for me to really really talk about it. Uh, uh, b- being serious though, I, I think I think you know there are very no there there's no team on earth that I hate more than the United States men's national team. And let me say this, this is not like a, I hate America sort of thing. Obviously not. I've lived there. I know people there. I have nothing against the country, the people, whatever. I do have a problem against the United States men's national team. It is by far my most despised team. If I could sign something that says that Mexico is never winning a World Cup ever, but the United States is never winning another game until the day I die, I'd make that deal. I'd make that deal tomorrow. I, <laughs> I hate them. I hate them with all my heart. And it's honestly, I think, I think it's a fireable offense to lose three games in a row to the United States. Like, I don't care who you are. I don't care that you managed Barcelona, whatever. If you lose three games in a row against the United States, you have to go. That's a fireable offense. That's the, the literal definition of a fireable offense. And it, it pisses me off that, that the United States is so good, that they have so many good players, and that they're such good trolls. Like, they're very good at trolling, which upsets me a lot because Pulisic I was great on that the other night. I acknowledge that they're, like, really funny about it, and they're, like, winning, and it pisses me off so much. But I have to acknowledge it. They're, they're really good. They're really fun. They have a lot of talented players, and... Yeah, I hope they don't make the World Cup. I don't know how that's going to happen because they're really good, but I hope it doesn't happen. I hope, I don't know, Panama somehow becomes the best team in the world when they play them. I, I don't know. But yeah, that, that's tough. It's, it's, it's a very tough moment for me to be a Mexican national team fan. I'll, I'll admit that. 
And yeah, Wesley McKinney is good. Whatever. I don't care. That's the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that, I mean, in terms of McKinney, you know, we, we, we've started seeing this coming in the last two weeks or so before the international break started. He, his form had been picking up. You know, he'd scored he'd scored a couple of goals uh, for Juve, and and his performances had had just generally been better. I think, you know, part of it is the fact that Allegri was using him properly after that kind of fiasco against Empoli, where he used him as a trequartista, and it it really didn't work. Maybe he's finally finally gotten over that weird that that weird injury that he had halfway through last year, but he's rounding into form right now. And when Weston McKinney is on form, that's a that's he he can be a force and and he can do a lot of really good things. We we talked about this last year. You know, the things that he can do, the thing the things that he can do are the things that free up the rest of the midfield to be able to do what they do best. And I think that, you know, if if he keeps going on this form, then Fabio Paratici at Tottenham is going to be, you know, a little bit SOL in terms of trying to get him. I saw somebody on somewhere in social media try to claim that it was somehow unfair that the U.S. Uh, had scheduled that game for to be in Ohio. They were like, well, there are going to be no Mexican fans there. And I'm like, well, yeah, duh, because if you play that game anywhere else in the United States, there will be more Mexican fans than American fans. And then what's the point of home field advantage? Agreed. Uh, that's a it, little... it was a fraud. It was a fraud. Recall the game. <laughs> <laughs> I do not recognize the result of that game. It's a spirit. I almost feel like because there was a chance to make it 3-0 right at the very end. I almost feel like he missed it on purpose. It was the same with a couple uh two two World Cup cycles ago. I think Dempsey it was 2-0 and Dempsey had a penalty kick and he missed it. I almost feel like he had it, he missed it on purpose just to keep the Dosa Zero thing alive. Which if it did, I I, I respect that so much. <laughs> like I do. Like I think. I think that's the biggest troll job that the United States has going on right now over Mexico, the Dos Ocero thing. I was like, I'd rather get blown out 5-0 than lose do- like 2-0 again. Like at this point, I it just it, I was like, just lose by any other scoreline. Like I do not care. And they keep managing to lose 2-0. Like it's f-ing unbelievable, but whatever. Like I said, it's, it's the game didn't happen. So, you know, who knows? We'll never know. <laughs> Jux, you're in Ohio. Have you been to the FC Cincinnati Stadium yet? Uh, no, not yet. Um, it's three hours away from me. Uh, Cincinnati's quite a quite a distance. <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> but um, yeah, the Columbus one is actually closer to, uh, to me. The, the new Columbus Crew Stadium that's only about an hour away. Hopefully next season. Yeah, hopefully next season. No, next MLS season. That is, we can. Uh, yeah, we can do that because uh, yeah, it's very nice. And I mean, I'm in Columbus. I was actually in Columbus yesterday. Columbus is uh, definitely a very nice. Uh, very nice place, but yeah, I mean Cincinnati's a little more uh, on your on the Ohio point. Um, I agree. Although, I mean, I guess Cincinnati and Columbus are probably the most uh, well. I'll say this politically correctly: uh, most diverse uh, parts of uh, Ohio. <laughs> yeah, of all the ones there. Yes, so, there, yeah, there that's, are that's certain funny. there are certain things about Ohio's demographics that are very obvious, Chuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, I'll uh, keep it politically correct here. <laughs> but yeah, just on the McKinney point, I think. Definitely, it's just interesting that the zigzag between where he was playing since, well, since he joined Juve till now. So, you know, in the beginning, I remember I, I said anyway that I expected him to be basically Blaise Matuidi's uh, replacement, which I mean, clearly not. Uh, I was uh, clearly wrong on that one. But 
not just in terms of style of play, but also in terms of uh, position. So I thought, you know, he would play central midfield. Well, starting out in his early days with Juve, he played on, on the wing. He played, I believe, on the right wing, right central midfield, and kind of got into that Adrian Rabio position of, you know, drifting inside. And, um, and he was fantastic. You know, those first few months, he was really, really good. Well, he got injured and then, you know, lost form. And yeah, the rest of the season was kind of a write-off. But then, you know, he returned to central midfield position, and now he's been really, really good in complimenting Locatelli. And just that good, yeah, just that good compliment for uh, Locatelli. Uh, the more defensive, more, well, more defensive in terms of, like, he can do some dirty work. But then also join the attack and just, you know, high energy, good tackling. You know, of course, in an ideal world, I, I mean, I think McKinney's probably not, like, the top top Juve caliber like you know of our glory days of you know uh, the MVP P uh, midfield like I mean no I don't think he's quite at that level but for the current Juve or the current Juve squad in the form that he's in right now he's definitely just one of the more yeah reliable midfielders and definitely the yeah higher quality just given the current uh, team yeah I mean I hope he keeps it up and uh, and hope he grows from there I mean that really be you know, continues just that upward trajectory, that would be, uh, yeah, that would be very good. Then he could reach those levels of, you know, hopefully uh, reach those, uh, yeah, top levels. Yes, when it comes to the midfield rankings and Sergio Romero's grab bag, I think who is one and who is two is very, very obvious right now. So uh, we will wrap things up on that note. Thank you guys for your Twitter questions. We always appreciate them. You can send them send them to us i should say at juventus nation on twitter as we said at the beginning of the show you can like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform whether it's apple podcasts spotify or google podcasts if you listen on apple podcasts please leave us a rating and a review if you want to leave us a review hell we might even read it if we get one so as always for sam for sergio and for chucks Danny saying thank you very much for listening and we'll talk to you guys after a Juventus game next week.